Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and tonight we have quite an episode. I wanted to talk a little about something before we get into the interview and I'm sure it's something that every podcast under the sun is going to be talking about. And yes, that is the banned and restricted announcement that just literally happened today as I record this. As I'm sure many are aware of what the banned and restricted announcement entailed, just to go over it briefly, uh, Modern had two cards banned, Gitaxium Probe and Golgari Grave Troll. I am really not surprised about the Golgari Grave Troll being banned, as that I was actually surprised it was unbanned last year to begin with, because everybody knows how crazy Dredge can be, and... I did find it a little suspicious when it was first announced that it was unbanned. It's like, hmm, you know, I, I think it was before Shadows Over Innistrad, so it was like, does Wizards have something brewing up that may make Dredge come back in the limelight? And yes, it was Prized Amalgam, Cathartic Reunion, just making Dredge shoot up into the atmosphere in Tier 1 territory in Modern. Uh, Gitaxium Probe, though, was a bit of a surprise, which I can understand why with the Phyrexian mana being able to pay just two life in order to just look at your opponent's hand and draw a card. That's really good. Um, it, I was a little disappointed at first because my Grixis Delver deck runs three Gitaxium Probe, so I really need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what I'm going to run in Delver now to sort of mitigate the loss of Gitaxium Probe. It, I've been reading a, lo a lot online that, you know, now even Young Pyromancer may not even be viable in Grixis Delver now. So, I mean, we just have to wait and see. It's um, I, I'll probably be doing some testing in the days to come. But the biggest shakeup for me was Standard, which I'm sure a lot of people, it was a shakeup. Uh, the cards that were banned were Emrakul, Emrakul, The Promised End, Smuggler's Copter, and Reflector's Mage, Reflector Mage. Emrakul was, uh, it was not really a surprise. Um, with it being, you could either cast it for free or super cheap, and it being a 13-13 that, that can control your opponent's turn is just one, not a fun card to play against. Um... And it always felt pretty strong in the decks it played in Aetherworks, Marvel, and Green Black Delirium. But that's because it didn't feel like there were many good answers to the card. Which I've talked before many times on my podcast about how Wizards needs to be printing better non-creature spells, better answers to the standard meta. And them just outright banning Emrakul kind of disappoints me in a way is not that you know i won't really miss it to be honest but it kind of sets a precedence that you know hey we're not going to be printing any good non-creature spells so we're just going to get rid of the problem cards and it's just going to be replaced with another problem card and that kind of tells me it's like why are they so afraid of printing you know cards that could take care of it um, and then Smuggler's Copter being banned. At first, I was like, well, that's kind of strange, but I can understand because that card did see a lot of play in pretty much every single deck. Um, I felt it was a really good card, but I also felt with Aether Revolt coming out, you know, really, really soon next week, um, that Aether Revolt produced a lot of good cards to answer Smuggler's Copter. 
I felt that maybe with Aether Revolt coming out, Smuggler's Copter will still be present in the standard, but maybe not as powerful as it was. And their excuse for it was kind of lacking to me, honestly. Here, let me just read what they said. Simply put, Smuggler's Copter is too efficient and shows up in too many decks, diminishing the format's diversity. We want Planeswalkers, Sorcery Speed Removal, and a variety of vehicles to be viable options and believe removing Smuggler's Copter will allow them to flourish again. That sort of sends up a lot of question marks for me, not just the fact that they banned Smuggler's Copter, but they're talking about how they want Planeswalkers and Sorcery Speed Removal to be viable options. So one that tells me they're afraid to ban Planeswalkers again because those are their money cards. That's where that's what sells packs. And that's what gets people into pre-releases and in stores to draft and do standard. So it's kind of a two-way two or double-edged sword there. And then sorcery speed removal, they want it to be better. Why not print better instant speed removal? You know, I mean, like I've said before, I... I know I've complained before on the podcast that, you know, I don't want to see magic turn into Hearthstone, but for the sake of it getting simpler, it in order to attract more people, yes, I can understand in a sense why they would tone down the instant speed removal. But it's also sad in a fact that, you know, they couldn't print just a lightning strike to be able to deal with smugglers copter. A lightning strike would do wonders in standard right now. I mean, yeah, we have Harness Lightning, but it's still, it's not good enough compared to Lightning Strike. Um, But the one that really surprised me the most was Reflector Mage. And, well, back last year around this time when Reflector Mage was printed and used in Collected Company, um, why wasn't it banned then? Why wasn't Collected Company banned? I mean, you want to talk about a card a deck that completely warped the format. Look at Bant Company. Bant Company was so big in the in the meta that it was it was insanity. I I wouldn't have been surprised if they banned Collected Company back then, but they didn't. They kept it because maybe their excuse was they had the shorter rotation going on. And you know, they probably figured, oh, Collected Company's going out soon, so it's not going to be that much of a problem. You know, but Reflector Mage, I felt, was never that big of an issue after after um, Dragons of Tarkir rotated out with Collected Company was gone. But lo and behold, it was gone, and maybe their excuse was if Smuggler's Copter and Ember Cool are gone, Reflector Mage once again becomes that, you know, most hated card of standard. And I don't know, I think a lot of this shows that R&D just one doesn't test enough to know what the meta is going to shape out to be. And two, maybe maybe somehow these cards are just getting by and they're not doing enough QA. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I've, I don't know anything about the process of making cards and how they're determined, but it's just it's really telling uh, the part that scares me the most about all this is they're upping the banned and restricted announcement from four times a year to eight times a year. So they're going to have it the Monday right before the set releases and five weeks after that sets pro tour. Um, While some people may find that great if a strategy becomes too dominant 
and they can go ahead and just wait five weeks after the pro tour and ban as they see necessary, which in theory, that sounds great. But what that really does to me personally is really shake my confidence in investing in standard right now because and and all not just me but a bunch of other people i've talked to as well i mean i know a lot of that's subjective but it's it's there the the feeling is there that who's going to want to really spend two to three hundred bucks on a top tier standard deck and if it becomes too big in the meta is it going to get banned you know I mean, I know we haven't had a standard banning since 2011 with Jace the Mind Sculptor and uh, Stoneforge Mystic, and I wasn't around in standard back then. Uh, like I said, I didn't start playing standard until Innistrad Ravnica, Return to Ravnica, so I wasn't. I, I don't really know how bad those days were to get Jace and Stoneforge banned, but for me, I felt one Emrakul was warranted, but Smugglers and Reflector, I felt especially reflector right now isn't as bad of a ban, but like I said, are there going to be more bands down the road? Are they going to be less afraid of doing standard bands? And what that could do to players is have give the players less, less confidence that, you know, what's the point of investing in a deck if it's just going to be banned, you know, right now, what I did tonight was I went ahead and sold all my standard staples. I kept, um, just a few that, you know, may maybe I might build a deck, but for right now I'm, I'm out of standard. And this is the first time this has happened since, well, geez, since I got into standard, since Innistrad returned to Ravnica, I even, you know, went through the days of mono black, mono red, mono blue, uh, during return to Ravnica and Theros. And I didn't mind it that much. And I felt those strategies were a lot more oppressive than what we're facing right now. And, um, but like I said, this is the first time I've ever stopped standard. And I think I'm just going to stick with modern and legacy for a while until I see maybe it's a good time to get back into standard. But that thought is always going to be in the back of my mind where is, is it going to be banned? You know, do, do I even want to bother investing in a tier one standard deck if I'm afraid it's going to be banned? You know, I mean, my current standard deck I have right now, my Bant Flash, which is basically blue, white flash, splashing green, is completely useless right now. Um, and yeah, I completely sold that deck. I sold all my major standard staples, sold everything. I even sold a foil Gideon because I'm just like, you know, I'm done. Um, and it's just it. It's a little bit surprising. It's I want to remain hopeful that it will change up standard, but it's going to be hopeful without me. And I'm a little sad to say that because I really enjoy standard and I enjoy going to magic on Friday nights. Cause that's always been a staple of going there every Friday. But now that my shop is doing legacy on Saturdays, Saturday nights, I'm going to be going to that now instead. So, all right. So that was a bit of a mouthful. Um, and the reason why I brought this up right before the interview was because I brought on my buddy Alec again, and we recorded this just last night. T tonight is Sun or Monday, and last night was Sunday night, and we had no I we had no idea that th there was going to be a BR BNR announcement uh, this Monday or today actually. So before we begin, uh, let's get some ads out of the way, and then I'll get you right into the interview. All right, guys. 
All right, this episode is featured on LegitMTG.com. LegitMTG.com not only has some really well-written articles, but also offers free shipping on all orders over $2 or more. Oh, excuse me. Just ate some dinner. Uh, ever get tired of going to other sites and just have to buy some cheap singles and shipping costs more than what you're buying? No more. Any order over $2 or more has free shipping at LegitMTG.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Horizon Datasys, makers of Rollback RX. Do you ever wish you could take your PC back in time and restore to a pristine state? Rollback RX not only allows you to bring your machine back to any point in time, but it's a great way to recover from a bad driver update, viruses, or even a botched installation. Horizon Datasys doesn't tend to discount their product often as they know it's going to save you hundreds of dollars in recovering your PC. But for listeners of Magic Wazubi, they provided us an exclusive discount. Visit https colon slash slash goo.gl slash capital D I capital B V A capital F for 25% off rollback RX. And Magic Wazubi can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, MTGcast.com. If you wish to email Magic Wazubi, uh, with any questions or compliments or saying you hate the show, uh, you can email me at mtgzubi at gmail.com. Magic Wazubi is also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Magic as well as Twitter at Magic Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Magic Wazubi YouTube channel. Uh, just search for Magic Wazubi on YouTube. I'm starting to do pack openings and I'm putting my podcast up there. And I'm also doing some, I might do some more deck techs. I'm still kind of unsure on that. Uh, also, be sure to subscribe and review Magic Wazubi on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Like and subscribe, uh, rate, review, all that stuff. And I just want to remind everyone everyone that I do have a Patreon, uh, just search Magic Wazubi on Patreon, or uh, I think it's patreon.com slash Magic Wazubi. I have received two patrons so far, and I am super excited about it. I didn't forget about you guys last episode. It was just that I didn't have enough time to record the shout outs, but I want to give a shout out to Marcus and Kitchen Table NTG. Uh, hold on. Did he put his real name on the Patreon for Kitchen Table? Uh, do, 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 how do I see my Patreon? You know, I, yeah, I, I get it. Everybody you're telling me, oh, just pause this and you can, you know, check to see you all current page. I'm still trying to learn how to use this site. All right. Okay. So he didn't put his real name, uh, Marcus who donated $1 to magic Kazubi a month. I really, really appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's awesome. Thank you. And kitchen table, MTG, MTG.com who I'm pretty sure that's Lazaric or Lazrak or Laz. Uh, I never say the name, right. Who's donating $10 a month f- to magic with Zuby. I appreciate it guys. That's really freaking awesome that you're doing that. Um, thanks again. And like I said, shout out, um, I'm kind of restructuring the tier rewards a little bit. I'm keeping the 15 and $25 level the same, but the $5 level is changing. I have not decided what yet, but stay tuned for that. And all right, I'm sure you guys are sick of me rambling now. So here is the interview with my buddy, Alec. Okay, and we are here with my buddy Alex. Stupid fucking pop filter. Yeah, that's going to be... I'm not cutting that shit out, all right? <laughs> no, no, there is no editing to be done here. 
<laughs> no, no. It's like, as soon as I started talking, I hit record, start talking, my pop filter, just like, oh, I'm just going to move around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like, always the way stuff like that works though? It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to start it. Oh, come on. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. But um, all right. Well, we got Alec here. Alec hasn't been on the podcast in a while. I think the last time you were on was when we did the the um, build a booster deck, Elder Chamoon. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. It's been a good long while. I've been I've been missing it. I've been missing the podcast. But I've been listening in the off time and and enjoying every episode that I've heard. And but it's good to be back. It's good to be back and talking some magic. Yeah, man, definitely for sure. What you have actually have started up a little youtube channel i have you want to brag about that real quick uh well i don't know if it's too much to brag about but i'll I'll totally uh i'll totally plug myself a little bit and give myself a little bit of an ego boost um yeah I've, i've been youtubing now for i guess a couple months just uh trying to find some some video series that i can do uh i've always enjoyed kind of doing video gaming type stuff but streaming is impossible for me right now in my life just uh yeah i know the feeling i can't keep up a consistent stream schedule and you know with two kids and a third one coming it it just doesn't work out so um i was like well there's always youtube and i can just make videos on my own time and edit them and maybe do some a couple series and stuff like that so i kind of got into it and honestly i just kind of fell in love with it i mean more so than streaming i just really enjoy making content and i can be funny or i can be serious and it's a it's great time i've got a couple of a couple of series running on there right now and i do some little shorts here and there like top fives and stuff like that and i've actually got a new video series that i just filmed the first episode for and getting ready to go up on the channel there so um it's a blast man i'm having a great time with it yeah that's awesome um yeah, I just saw your top five games of 2016 and top five biggest gaming disappointments. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. What, what was your top one in the gaming disappointments? Was it No Man's For, Sky? It was No Man's Sky. That's, yeah, that, that's right. That's right. That was my biggest disappointment. And um, I th- those videos were actually a lot of fun to make, uh, especially the disappointments one. It, it was a lot of fun to make that video. And uh I made it clear at the start of the video, you know, they weren't the games that I thought were the worst games, um, but they were yeah. ones that I just got very let down by. And No Man's Sky was, I mean, for what it was, it really wasn't a poorly made game. Um, there was just so much leading up to it. And then on its release, obviously, it, there was just so much to be disappointed about. And uh, it, it crushed me because I was super excited for that game. And then it just turned out to be a giant hunk of garbage. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I've noticed with a lot of people who followed the game closely and was hyped about it because I honestly enjoyed the game a lot. But my thing was, I didn't, I didn't actually buy it until maybe a month after it came out. And I never followed any of the development of all of it. Uh, all or anything i just saw a bunch of i just saw my twitter feed get taken over by no man's sky and i'm like oh this game looks fun yeah and and the game is is gorgeous i mean it's it's a it's a beautiful game and if it was advertised the way it turned out i don't think anybody would have cared because i mean it was it was a beautiful game it was a little bit i mean it was fun to play it was very chill you know but it's the people like me who were following it from, you know, basically the first telling of it and just, uh, keeping really close tabs on the development, watching trailers, you know, just getting really pumped for it. 
And then yeah. to be handed what we got handed, you know, that's what made it a giant disappointment. The game itself, you know, really isn't that bad for what it is. Um, it just needed to be touted for what it is instead of what they promised, which is where the disappointment comes in. Yeah, I went back and read about all the promise features and all that, and I can see where the disappointment lies. And it's um the thing that I enjoyed the most about it was, one, it was the type of game that I had always wanted to play when I was a kid, you know, because I love Star Trek. Oh, yeah. And one of the best things about Star Trek is when they go explore other planets, you know, and that's pretty much what you do in No Man's Sky. I mean, not, not exactly, because you don't really meet a lot of other you know, intelligent life forms that you have any meaningful interactions with, at least not that I saw. No, no, certainly not. I mean, it's, it's all about planetary oh, discovery no. more than anything I else. Lost Alec and I think that's really what they sank a lot of their effort into here. was because um, I mean, the whole, the whole idea bullshit. is that you can never finish this game because the, okay. I don't know what the heck just happened there, but you just like suddenly dropped off, but I think we're good now. It's all my horrible technology. That's all right. Well, you did tell me you were on a Mac, so <laughs> yeah. there you go. Well, actually, how old is the Mac? Uh, oh gosh, it's not that old. Couple years, maybe. Um, okay. Was Steve Jobs still around, or was it was. after Steve yeah, Jobs? Yeah, nope, nope. It was it was pre death of Jobs. Okay, because I was gonna say if it was after Steve Jobs, I'd blame Tim Cook. <laughs> yeah, that that fault. would actually work, but nope, nope. I can't do that. It was definitely pre Jobs. Yeah, I used to have a um I used to have quite a bit of Mac products. I used to have a MacBook, um, a PowerBook before the whole um before they got the whole Intel chips. And geez, I used to have some Mac desktops and they're just they're just so expensive now though. They are. Yeah. I mean we got the the Mac desktop that iMac that we've got out there, the desktop is uh mostly just for you know, when we do creative stuff, because they are, I mean, for the most part, their programs or base programs are a lot better for that stuff, but that was the only real reason why we had that. <laughs> Otherwise, I've just always been a PC guy, but yeah. yeah. And so what were we talking about before we got cut out? I think it was No Man's Sky or something. Yeah, yeah. It was just reiterating kind of what we were saying that, um, you know, just because I had followed it for so long, that's why it was more of a disappointment for me, but um, otherwise it wasn't that bad of a game. Like, I don't, I think there were really only two games on my top five disappointments that I would say were terrible games, just terrible constructed games. Um, the and rest of them work. I'm trying to remember cause I know Pokemon go was on there. Pokemon um, go was on there and, uh, mighty number no. nine was, that's the right. I would say was just horrible as a game goes. Is it really? Because I've, I've, the last time I was tempted to buy it was, it was down to like six bucks on Steam. Just don't even. It's not, it's not worth the, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's really so, that bad. Let me ask you that. Is it as bad as Duke Nukem Forever? No. Okay. It, it is not quite that bad. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. I enjoyed Duke Nukem Forever, though I did only pay two bucks for it on Steam. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, two bucks is probably, you're, you're probably fine. And honestly, like <laughs> six bucks for Mighty Number no. Nine, probably not that bad either. Um, it's just the ah, gosh, it was just so frustrating. That game was so frustrating because I was expecting something so good because I, I love Mega Man so much, and it was like, oh, this is the Mega Man of the future. It's going to be great, 
and then it it was just oh it was so mediocre i mean design wise you like mega man at all no i mean that that's the thing like it looked like mega man a little bit but control wise and just all around level design and everything and just nothing about it felt like mega man it it was just i mean the guy kind of looks like mega man and he has an arm cannon like mega man that's about as far as it goes yeah yeah the last game i played that was very mega man-esque i guess was um shovel knight have you tried that no shovel knight is fantastic i love that game very much i haven't beaten it yet but um it was really surprisingly really good really enjoyed that yeah and and, you know it's proof that you can make a modern game that feels like an old um 16 or 8-bit side-scrolling shooter like mega man but um but yeah mighty number nine was a flop it was just terrible (laughs) <laughs> there's no yeah. defense for that game and i'm surprised you, well i guess i'm not surprised to put pokemon go on there because i know the first month it was pretty bad with it even staying connected but yeah I, I mean i know my coworkers and i we played that game for a few months and we would actually we would eat lunch at our desks and then for our whole lunch break we would just go out and catch pokemon like for an hour yeah and that was the good thing about it was just that it did get so many people like out and walking around. Like we have a, where I live, there's a park kind of close to the center of town that before Pokemon go, I would never see anybody out there. And then after Pokemon go, there was always just a ton of people out there just walking, you know, and, no, which and is good. Yeah. Playing the game. So, I mean, there were good things about it, but it, it was just that it was so ill conceived upon release. Um, and I think we just didn't not we just didn't have enough information when it was released because oh yeah I, and I, I think we all assumed that there would be you know like friend battling and Pokemon trading and that the gyms wouldn't be RNG and you know it just like they're or they're not RNG but it feels like it it really know? does so uh, it's just it's weird I don't I just I feel like they kind of put it out before they finished it. And they wanted to do all of this other stuff, but they just decided not to for some ungodly reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, No, I completely agree with the friend battling and the friend trading because that was one of the things we were really excited about because some of my coworkers where they live at the time, there was a bunch of Pokemon that spawned near their house that you could not get anywhere near like where I lived. Right. And vice versa. Yeah. um, it was just, and we were expecting, you know, like, hey, just be able to trade me a Pokemon or something just so I could, you know, get it in my Pokedex. But of course, no, that never happened. No, and that's something I touched on in the video. You know, like, friend battling and friend trading are, like, normal Pokemon experiences. Like, when you buy a Pokemon game, that's that's kind of the number one thing you expect to be able to do right off the bat is battle and trade. And that's just, like, for some reason... And it seems to me that it would be very easy to include that in their UI, but for some reason, they just decided not to. Nope. Nope, not at all. But, um, no, overall, it was a good video. I did like your top five games of 2016, and um, I think the one I was really surprised at was your number one was Titanfall, because I'd never played Mm -hmm. any of those, but they look really fun. Yeah, I've I've gotten actually a good amount of feedback um, about my top five especially with me picking titanfall over uh overwatch 
which was my number two. Yeah. And um, Titanfall 2, for me, and, and I don't claim that these my top five videos or anything are anything more than my opinion, um, but for me, Titanfall 2 was a better experience just because I instantly fell in love with the game. Yeah, And um, the gameplay was something that I hadn't really experienced in a while. I mean, not since Titanfall 1. It's just super fast-paced, and you feel like a god when you're playing because you're just jumping and sliding and running on walls, and it feels very fluid, but then at the same time, you feel like you're always in danger because there's just explosions everywhere and big giant robots, and it's just, it was a lot of fun, and I haven't had that much fun with a shooter in a while, especially not this year. Um, whereas Overwatch was more of a a slow... I mean, it wasn't a slow love for me in Overwatch, but it was definitely like a... All right, yeah, this is what exactly what I asked for. Blizzard gave it to us. It's an excellent, amazing game. I don't have anything to complain about here except for maybe the reward system. Um, but there wasn't this love at first sight that I had with Titanfall 2. Yeah, I can see that. Um, my whole thing with Overwatch, and I think we've talked about this before, where it's fun to play, but not by yourself, at, no. at least in my opinion. And especially with now how they restricted that you can only choose one hero mm-hmm. or, or, or there can only be one of each hero on a team. Uh, and now that you can't have like a team full of five Bastion if you want to do, <laughs> it's, it's sort of made the quick match a little less fun i guess and i can i can understand the reasoning why they want to do it because you know they don't just want to have five people pick bastion or six people i mean right and um you know to you know stop those kind of strategies but it's like they they should just let you do it because it's a quick match it means nothing it's not like the the um competitive or ranked ladder yeah i think honestly probably the reason why they did it is the same reason that every moba eventually does it where they're trying to, and Overwatch isn't technically a MOBA, but it's that same kind of idea, which is yeah. that, you know, to be successful at the game, your team has to synergize. And your team isn't going to synergize when you got that one guy who's like, I, I only play XYZ character, and even if we've already got two of that same character, I'm still just going to play that character, and you can't make me pick another character. You know, so it's not like it takes away the fun when you've got five or six friends and you're like, let's all play May. Um, but it, it, it at least makes it a little bit more palatable when you get into a match and you're like, okay, we need synergy. We need synergy. Oh, God, we have four Hanzos. You know, it's it, <laughs> <laughs> it takes that part away, but it, it, it's a give and take. You know, they gave us that. Unpal like that that being able to get rid of the unpalatable games, but then they took away the fun matches. So yeah. it's a fine line, but every team based shooter like that eventually has to come to the same conclusion that it's better to have that restriction than to not. Yeah, and I can see why they did it. It's still I don't know. It's I, I hardly play the game anymore anyway, unless I'm playing with some buddies and even that's few and far between. Because I'd rather I don't know, man. Just lately, I've barely been playing video games. Ever since I beat Final Fantasy 15, it's like, I can't play anything else right now. I'm so... It's like, ugh, it's so beneath me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Final Fantasy 15 ruined it for you then, huh? <laughs> oh, dude, it was such a good game. Um, 
And I know I you told me I think you're planning on playing it, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's gonna be one of the next games I pick up. Um, for my next video series, I had to pick up a different game, but um, Final Fantasy 15 is definitely on my list to play because I am a big fan of Final Fantasy, and um, a lot of people ask me why it didn't make my list of top five videos or, or top five games. My video for top five games, and um, it was just that I hadn't had any time with the game by the time that video was made. Uh, yeah. So I, I, of course, had already seen how amazing it looked, and I had heard great things, and I had seen people play it. Uh, but if I hadn't gotten a chance to play the game myself, I wasn't going to put it on my top list. So, and I, and I hadn't had enough time. I'd messed around with it a little, but I, I hadn't really been able to get into the meat and potatoes of the game. So I felt like it would be unfair to give my you know, my, uh, my opinion on a game that I didn't know enough about yet. Yeah. And that's fair. That's, um, that's understandable. Uh, the one thing I don't know, I, I freaking love it. This is the first time I've actually bought a season pass for a game ever. Wow. And look at I'm you. Just, I'm that excited about all the DLC and it does have its, does have its, um, I guess complaints and criticisms that are valid. And, um, that's very understandable, but I feel like I feel like it's probably been the best Final Fantasy that has come out since ten, I guess. Because I wow. definitely put it up I definitely put it above twelve and thirteen. Yeah. Well, I don't think that anybody would fault you for that. <laughs> well, I mean, well, there's a lot of diehards out there for twelve. And while I understand, I, I can understand that because twelve was good. It's just Oh man, I I could not get into the story. The story was basically Star Wars, and yeah. I, I I had to force myself to beat the game. That that's when you know it's bad. Yeah, it's if if you can't sit down and beat the game without feeling like this is just the worst possible thing I can be doing with my time right now, um, you know that you're not having any fun, and you should probably just not be playing that game. Pretty much. I, I enjoyed, I would put 13 above 12, and I know that's probably sacrilege wow. for a lot of Final Fantasy fans, but I enjoyed 13 way more than 12. Yeah, you're you're on the verge of sacrilege right there, because I don't <laughs> I don't think there's a ton of 13 fans in the world, but uh, I, I know a lot of a lot of people that I know love Final Fantasy just complained, complained, complained about 13. And I really didn't hated as much as some people did I, it wasn't my favorite but it wasn't that bad i felt like yeah i had no idea about the criticisms i purchased the game um probably about a year after it came out and i guess i just completely ignored all reviews about it because i don't, I don't even know what oh i must have been really into wow at the time that's that's uh. why um so i bought the game played it and i fell in love with it like and I understand a lot of people complain it's a hallway simulator. I get that. But mm -hmm. I guess to me, the way the story was shaping, you know, you're constantly on the run. It makes sense. You're not going to be stopping and sniffing the roses and, you know, going and explore this cave over in the side area here when you're actually fighting for your life to survive. Right. Right. And um, now I just really enjoyed the game. Uh, loved it. Um. Oh, you know, it is another probably sacrilege that actually, from what I've seen on the community, it's sort of back and forth. I do not consider Final Fantasy VII to be the best one either. 
Ooh, that is close to sacrilege, actually. Now, now, now you're starting to push my buttons a little. <laughs> no, I, I consider it really, really, really good. I'd probably put it, it makes my top five, but I'd probably put it at number three. Wow. So, so what are you having ahead of it? Obviously, you liked 15 a lot, so I'm guessing that's up there. No, no, 15 does. I don't even think 15 makes my top 10. Dang. Uh, no, but um, number one would be six. Okay, I can respect number- that. Number two is tactics, and then tactics. and then probably seven. Okay. Did you ever play tactics? I did. I did, and it is quite good. I liked it a lot. I don't know if I'd put it above seven, but I did like it a lot. I don't know. It to me, I it, I guess tactics just really gravitated towards me because it was all about that war and military and army. It's sort of similar to like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um. Really similar to Game of Thrones, actually, when you think about it. And um, the, I, I, it just gripped me from the start, and I love the gameplay of it. The whole, God, I could spend hours playing that game, which I did spend many, many hours playing that game. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it certainly, like, the style of that game will gravitate towards a certain kind of player, for sure. Um, and I don't think anyone could necessarily fault you for having it that high, because it was an incredibly well-crafted game, and it was a lot of fun. And that game, that game style, that 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 style of play, um, especially nowadays, you just don't see it that often. Like I think um, uh, Fire Emblem is about the last that I've seen that comes close to tactics as far as just that kind of strategy. Well, there's Disgaea too. You ever play Disgaea? I didn't. I, I've heard the name, but I've never actually played it. Yeah, Disgaea is a strategy game like tactics um i've only played the first two on the playstation 2 but i think they they released a disgaea 5 on ps4 and um it's actually a really wacky crazy game um i don't know how it is in the later entries but in one and two you could get up to like level ten thousand in the game yeah and just do ridiculous amounts of things and it's actually a really funny game like if you're into it's i mean it's a very anime like game if you're into the the wacky anime comedy you would love love these games i gotcha wow man i might have to check that out that does sound awesome they um i think they actually have them on steam now let me look that up because i thought i saw one of them on steam but i mean yeah they're really they're really fun games the one thing that i do like about them where if you've played tactics before you know how the battling can be a little bit slow Mm -hmm. um these can be pretty fast-paced I mean, oh, okay. it's, st- it's still strategy, but they're a lot more fast paced than, you know, like tactics. Yeah, it looks like um, Disgaea 1 is on Steam for 20 bucks right now. Huh. Man, I definitely might have to check that out. That sounds sick. And, and it looks like they have Disgaea 2, but maybe it's not out. Mm, excuse me. It's not out yet. Oh, it's coming out at the end of the month. Oh, okay. That's cool that they're I, I like how Steam is doing that re-releasing games like this. Yeah, it well, it makes it kind of feel like you get some anticipation again. It's like, okay, well, here's the first one, and now you can wait a couple months, and then we'll put out the new one, or the next one, even though these games came out a long time ago, you know? It, yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, because I played Disgaea way more on the Nintendo DS than I did on the PlayStation 2. Yeah, well, I'm sure, you know, those kind of strategy games actually lend themselves better to a mobile environment anyway. Like, uh, yeah. 
I, I can see why the Fire Emblem series is on DS and stuff like that, because it, it's just better for uh, mobile play. Yeah, it can be. I can remember, actually, this good little story. I can remember playing Final Fantasy 3 and Disgaea on my DS when I used to work at a IT call center, and I used to take the night shift, and I would bring my DS, and luckily I was sitting in an area where I was far away from the bullpen, the man- where management sat. Right. You know, and supposed to monitor everybody and be, it being the night shift, you'd get a lot less calls. And um, God, I would just pretty much the whole time just be playing Final Fantasy or Disgaea leveling up like crazy. And God, I kind of miss that. I kind of miss that a little bit, but I don't. I do. Yeah. not miss. I don't know if you ever worked at a call center before. Oh, I God. did. I did. <laughs> I think we've talked about that before. Where- yeah, I think we did. I mean, it's just it's it's horrific. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I seriously think I'd rather go work at McDonald's or dig a ditch or something than work at a call center ever again. Oh, I'd certainly rather dig a ditch. That sounds like way more fun. Yeah, and probably pretty um, good for the exercise, too. God damn. Yeah, I wouldn't have to go to a gym ever again. Sounds awesome, actually. Yeah, I haven't been to a gym in a while. Ever since um, I've been diagnosed with carpal tunnel, it's been... lifting anything has been really painful. Yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. And it's, um, cause I was really heavy into the gym like last year and a little bit er last year, no, the year before last year and probably about the first half of last year, I was really into the gym. Mm -hmm. And then I just started noticing like even I noticed at first, especially doing, um, bicep curls, um, just the dumbbells. And like I would do, you know, as a warm up, like, you know, 10, 15 pounds just to get the muscles warmed up doing just 10, 15 pounds. I'd noticed my right hand just in pain. Like, what the hell? This isn't even heavy. And I noticed like I'm struggling to lift it and I'm just like, what the hell's going on? And then I go see my doctor and he does a few tests and he's like, yep, carpal tunnel. Dang. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, what can we do about that? He's like, well, you can get a surgery. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> And it's like, even that is not a hundred percent guaranteed fix for it. So I've talked to, you know, I've talked to a whole bunch of, you know, trainers of what I can do. I mean, is there any kind of gloves I can wear or anything like that? And they all mentioned the surgery is the way to go. So that kind of took me out. And then I guess it kind of got me depressed a a bit about it because it was just because it just started any, any muscle group I would do just started hurting bad. Gosh, dude, that sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I can just do a bunch of cardio shit, but I fucking hate running. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. I can't. I've tried. I can't. (laughs) Yeah, like, when I was super into martial arts, like, really into it when I was younger, um, you know, probably best shape of my life could, you know, I could probably run five, ten mile, you know, five to ten miles and still keep going and just be, I'd still fucking hate it, though. I hated it. It's like, I'm so bored. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't just run. I got, I got to have a reason to be doing it. Like even, and even just running to like get cardio is not good enough reason. Like somebody has to be chasing me with a knife or something. That's the only reason that you can get me to just run. <laughs> no, but yeah, I gotta, I gotta start doing something. I've gained too much weight and it's just been ugh, sucks. Yeah. I can feel it too. It's like new year time to time for Alec to stop drinking so much beer and actually go exercise a little bit. Yeah. 
I know what you mean. Yeah, a gym just, uh, Planet Fitness finally opened up in our area. And I was thinking about joining, but then I'm like, well, what am I going to freaking do? Just cardio? I'm like, Ugh. yeah. I, mean, I, I, I guess I could do that, but it's like, I can just do that here at home. But, you know, there's that whole gym mentality of, you know, when you're at the gym, you're going to work out. But when you're at home, you know, you can be like, oh, I don't feel like doing it today. Yeah, it's, it's, I found that the only way that I will work out is if I have a gym membership. Because, for one thing, it's like, well, I'm I'm spending money on this. I better just go ahead and use it. Um, yeah. And then once I'm there, it's like, okay, well, now I actually have motivation to actually do this because now there are people staring at me <laughs> as opposed to when I'm at home. And I could just be like, I could go on a run or I could sit here and, you know, play Destiny for a few minutes or something. I, I think I'll play yeah. games. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that could definitely work out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean, man. But um Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about, your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um oh by the way, really like the opening graphic now. It looks really awesome with your oh, um, thanks. Yeah. team team ponage community mm-hmm. that you're a part of. Mm-hmm. Um but have what I've been trying to get into the YouTube game too a little bit with my channel. Um I've had this freaking channel since 2005 when youtube opened yeah that's usually and, uh, the way it works <laughs> and um i i have noticed it's fucking hard mm. <laughs> youtube is hard um because i've been really trying to you know research you know how to get your videos out there and you know all this have you have you heard of this program called tube buddy uh i've heard of it it's a promotion thing isn't it it's sort of it's a promotion thing, but it's also a little um, tool to help you out when you upload a video. Uh, what's cool about it when you go to upload a video, it'll give you this little checklist of making sure you do these things for your videos, like give it a good title, um, make sure to tag it properly, and it'll give you suggestions for what to tag your video to oh. make sure you get the like most amount of hits. Of course, if you want to unlock better features for it, you can pay for it. But I'm just doing the free pro- free. A program of it or the free membership whatever right and it, it's a neat little thing but um yeah man i, I find a podcast way easier than youtube <laughs> yeah because well, holy crap it's hard it's it is it is and i mean it, it's the same you know it's basically the same as streaming and or any kind of video production like this it's it's hard it's hard to get your name out there it's hard to get views it's hard to unless you kind of get lucky um it's not very easy. And, and I found that the easiest way to get views is to, you know, just kind of be absolutely insane or, or put out something that causes drama. But for us that just kind of want to make, you know, decent quality content, it's hard to, it's hard to get out there. It's not easy. Yeah. Especially, um, I don't know. It's, it's just, like you said, it's not easy at all. I mean, yeah, if I wanted to be controversial, sure, I could get the views and all that. Because from what I've been studying, or at least, you know, been researching, is the subscribers for your channel are not nearly as important than the views you get for your videos. Right. From what I understand. Because at first I thought it was like, oh, I need subscribers. I need to get them, you know? And no. trying to figure out ways to get them. But no, you need the views because without the views, your videos aren't going to be shown in, you know, that little right, right sidebar where, you know, the recommended videos or anything mm-hmm. like that. So 
uh, it's like I said, I feel like a podcast is way easier, but it's, I've been enjoying doing these, you know, booster pack openings and all that. And I did a, I did a deck tech, but I don't know. It, it, yeah. it just, it's fun. It is. And I mean, as long as you're having fun doing it, I feel like that's the important thing. Like I'm not, I'm not on YouTube to try to make money or to try to be, you know, a YouTuber full time or anything like that. It's like, you know, I needed, I needed some kind of an outlet and making these YouTube videos provides that outlet. Um, and you know, if I get views, if I get subscribers, cool, awesome, but that's not why I'm doing this. Um, and I think as long, you know, if that's the mentality that you have, then you're going to have a lot of fun with it. If you're trying to make it as a YouTuber, it's gonna, it, it's going to take a lot of work. Um, and, you know, maybe one day I'll be lucky enough to, to pump more time and, and resources into it, but it's not what I'm looking to do with it right now. And um, I am lucky enough that I'm a part of a gaming community that helps support me and small streamers who, uh, and they'll help um, kind of put out the word when I've got a new, new, any kind of new content going up. But it's, uh, it's still, you know, it's still not, it's not easy to get them views, you know? Yeah. It, it is. It's tough. And it seems like a lot of it can also be is also based on luck, too, about oh, yeah. whether or not you, you know, get lucky enough to, I don't know, get it's a kinda, bunch of views and get a bunch it, of subs and get out. Yeah, there. it's kind of like the music industry in a way, because, I mean, you kind of got to get discovered. And if the right person sees your video and shares it to the right people and then it just kind of goes viral like that, um, it definitely takes. It takes a it takes a fair amount of luck. It's not all skill. There are a lot of people I know that make really really great YouTube content, um, and they're still you know towards the bottom of the view spectrum just because they just haven't had the right person see their video yet. Yeah, my um my buddy Corey, who was on the previous uh, episode last week, he he has this buddy who's um pretty well known. But when you look at his YouTube channel, it you'd be he has like barely anybody that watches it, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just like there, there is a lot of work that gets put into it. Um, you mentioning, you know, being being a full time YouTuber. I don't know if I could honestly do that. It, let's just say let's, let's just say I struck struck it. I, I got really lucky because, you know, I have the Patreon right now. I have the podcast. I'm trying to do these YouTube YouTube videos. Let's just say I got lucky. And I don't know, my Patreon blew up or my YouTube blew up and it was making more money than what I'm currently doing at my job. I honestly don't think I could just quit my job and just do YouTube and podcasting full time. Yeah, it's kind of a step of faith, isn't it? Because any yeah. kind of entertainment like that is always so fickle. Not to say that your listeners are fickle because they're actually really awesome and you've got a great community here that you've built around this podcast. But it's, um, you know, anytime, anytime that you're an entertainer, you've always kind of got to toe that line of, okay, well, if this is going to be my full-time job, I better put out better content than I've been putting out before. And you kind of got to upstage yourself and it just becomes yeah. kind of becomes a vicious cycle. So I, I'm with you. I don't know if I could do it full-time because I just want to have fun with it. I don't want it to become a, a slog or a, uh, I don't want to depend on it to put food on my table, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's the part that's the part that scares me where, you know, let's say um 
you know, you do become full-time YouTuber and all that. What, what happens next year? If all of a sudden you don't be, you're not as popular anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you make one, you do one fuck up where, I don't know, someone records a video of you saying something stupid and boom, you're done. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah that can happen that. to any entertainer and all that, but it just seems a lot more, not as, not where anywhere near as stable as like YouTube. Oh yeah. Or, no, certainly. I, I know what you're saying. Like, it's not as stable as being like a film actor or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what kind of brought this up was, I don't know if you've seen the whole, um, Tolarian Academy thing where he said he lost his job and all that. No, I didn't see that. What was this? Um, it, I think he just released it yesterday where he said he lost his teaching job and um, he was asking for people to donate to his Patreon to help him. And, you know, he got a lot of good response and his Patreon is blown through the roof. He's got like over 10 grand a month now. And um, that just really got me thinking. And I'm not saying this to try to downplay him because what he does is really great. He does a lot of great videos and all that. But it's. I, I don't know, it's. To me, like you said, it's a leap of faith doing if if he becomes a full-time YouTuber, which sounds like he is going to become a full-time YouTuber, but I don't know. Maybe I'd be able to make the decision easier if I didn't have kids and a wife. If I was a single single person, or even if it was just me and my wife and no kids, maybe it'd be a little bit easier to do that because, like I said, say next year, say what if um, the professor does something really bad this year. Like, I don't know, someone record, like I said, someone records, I'm doing something dumb and he suddenly gets all this hate. What happens next year? You know, when all his Patreon's gone and he decides right. to just completely quit teaching and, you know, boom, he he's, you know, basically unemployed. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it is, I think, I think it is just a giant leap of faith. And some people have an easier way of doing that than others. And um, like you said, if, if you were single or you didn't have kids, it'd probably be a little bit easier. Um, and a lot of the people that do do that or streaming full time, um, that they are single uh, for that reason. Not because, you know, they couldn't if they wanted to, but it's just, you know, it's just it befits their lifestyle a little bit better. So it's... Uh, yeah, it, you you have to give something. You definitely have to give something up to be able to uh, to be able to content produce like that full time. I think. Yeah, and like I said, this is not to try to downplay the professor at all. Oh it's, no, um, certainly not. He's, he's got some. He's got a lot of really great content. Yeah, and I'm. I just got to say, he's got balls to do this full time because, you know, to me, I guess as I'm getting older, I'm only thirty, but um. As I'm getting older, I'm starting to really think about my financial future. Oh, yeah. You know, because, um, you know, I this year I'm really focused on trying to get out as much debt as I can. I mean, I'm always going to have my mortgage for like 30 sure. years. So <laughs> unless yeah. I strike it rich somehow, I'm, I'm going to have that for a while. But at least, you know, get out of credit card debt and, you know, pay down some of my cars that I have. But I really think about, you know where am I going to be at five to 10 years from now? You know, to me, if I were to do full-time YouTubing or podcasting, I can't really forecast that far, you know? No, certainly not. I mean, you'd have to just forecast. I mean, you'd have to forecast just about like 
the next week. And that's about as far as you can go. And like I said, that's why I think the professors got fucking balls because I couldn't oh, yeah. do that. I'd be like, cause I mean, you can't really like, if you're a full-time YouTuber, you can't forecast, like we said, five years from now where you could be like, Oh, well five years from now I could, uh, I don't yeah, You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there like are no guarantees. I mean, that's, and yeah. that's, that's the thing that you have to come to grips with. I think if you're going to be an entertainer, uh, especially a self-made entertainer like a YouTube entertainer is, or a, a streamer, um, that, you know, there are just no guarantees here. Uh, one day you can be riding high, top of the ladder, making good money, um, enough to live on, and, and, and then some. And then the next week you can, you can be back down to the bottom of the pile and having to scrape your way back up and uh, be broke. You know, it's just... You know. There are no guarantees with this kind of stuff. And, you know, some people are lucky enough to hit it big, but I've noticed that the ones that hit it the biggest for the most part are not full-time YouTubers or full-time streamers. Uh, they're the ones that have something else that they got famous for, and then they YouTube or stream stuff like that. And that's what yeah. gets them the most views. So, you know, starting from the bottom now you're here just doesn't really ever happen <laughs> that often. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, me saying all this, I mean, the same thing could happen. I could get fired tomorrow for my job. Oh, yeah. No. But at least I guess I have that, Um, I guess, comf- comfort, comfort of knowing that I can go out and find another job. I mean, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's not going to come to me that quickly, but you know, I have a set of skills that are, that you may not know, and I'm going to find you and I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, that was just going through my head. I'm like, please let him be doing a taken thing right now. Please let him be doing a taken thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it hit me, but you know, I've got a set of skills in my um, networking and it career that I can take anywhere and can be found very desirable for, but it's like, if I was a full-time YouTuber and my YouTube career just stopped and I was a full-time YouTuber for say three or four years, I mean, you kind of don't have any of that job experience for that three to four years. Yes. You know, you're, I well, no, I guess cause you'd be running your own business in a sense. Right. At this day and age, like YouTubing can actually be a marketable skill, especially with, in um, like marketing companies, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I'll, I'll give an example. My brother, um, you know, he would just make videos for fun, you know, just here and there. And then he got picked up by a company, and now that's what he does for them. But he makes, like, their marketing videos and stuff like that, just because a lot of companies are looking to get on YouTube and make these kind of smaller shorts videos, and they want to hire people that can do that. So, I mean, there it's definitely a marketable skill in this day and age. It's just, uh, it's not like those jobs are in an overabundance right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, I, I, I just brought it up because it got me really thinking that, you know, I, I don't think I could do this full time. And he said, I commend the professor. I commend anybody doing it full time. Oh, you know, absolutely. YouTube, podcasting or whatever. Just, God, you've got more balls than I than I ever will, you know. Yeah, and and more power to them. I mean, I don't feel yeah. jealous or envious of of any of those people. I think that they uh they are doing something that I could never do, even if I was granted the opportunity. I can't guarantee that I could do it. So yeah. it's um it's definitely more power to them, and I wish them all the best for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Meanwhile, I'll just keep 
sitting over here making my funny videos for funsies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But, um, oh, geez. I thought there was something else. Oh, yeah. YouTube's hard. And yeah. it's, I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, yeah. So, oh, God. What else was there? Now, there was something else with YouTube. I'm trying to remember here. I could probably edit all this out, but I'm not going to. But, um, anyways, <laughs> oh, oh, so now here's something, another off topic thing. How was your weekend this weekend? It was good. It was good. It was, um, we had a birthday party for my youngest. Uh, she just turned one. Her birthday is actually on oh, Christmas that's right. Eve. Um, oh, it's on Christmas Eve. Okay. Yeah, she was born on Christmas Eve at like uh, 10 30 or something like that at night. It was, it shit crazy. So we're like, you know, there's no way that we can throw a birthday party on Christmas Eve or, or anything like that. So we, we decided to have it, you know, the first week in January. So we had a birthday party for her and she was running a fever during her party. So that was great. But um, it was still fun. Uh, she seemed like she had a great time. And uh, other than that, it's been pretty chill. Uh, weekends get sometimes a little crazy for me, but didn't get to play any magic this weekend. But that's uh, to be expected with a new set right around the corner. I've kind of been digging into the spoiler a little bit harder and boning up for uh, for pre-release. So um, no magic, but uh, still still a pretty good weekend. That's good. That's right. You've got another one on the way. You're, I you're do. And it's a boy, right? It is. My first boy. Yes, my first boy. What's his I've name going to be? Asher. It's going to be Asher Newton. Asher, that's very interesting. We, Where, where's where's that from? Honestly, um, not from anywhere in particular. I we were just kind of c- coming up with names randomly, and uh, I said Ash, um, selfishly because of uh, Ash Ketchum. Yes, <laughs> I, I am that big of a nerd. <laughs> but uh, I just said Ash kind of offhandedly, and my wife was like, "Oh, I kind of like that," but I'm not just going to call him Ash. And so she was like, "You know, we can call him Ash, but I want it to be a little bit longer." So we went with Asher. Um, Could call does- him Ashley. Yeah, could have decided that you know he might get enough crap for being named after a Pokemon character. So yeah, <laughs> but no, uh, that's funny. Um, when Zoe was, um, you know, you know, when my wife was pregnant with Zoe, uh, we thought we really wanted a boy, and we were gonna name if he was a boy, we were gonna name him Sam Samuel or Samwise. Yeah. I, was re- I was really trying to push for Samwise, and then when we found out it was girl, I was really trying to push for Ayla. And, oh. the, reason, and the reason for Ayla was because there was these series of books called Clan of the Cave Bear, where the main character name was Ayla. It's about a, it's about a um, a girl, a Cro Magnon girl that goes to live with a bunch of Neanderthals. Oh, really, really interesting set of books. Um, I've never actually heard of that series, but that sounds very interesting. They're not very popular, but um, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's not that it was bad writing or anything. They just never caught on or anything. Right. They just didn't hit it big. Like some of the others. Yeah. And they came out in like the eighties, I think, or something like that. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. No, but I'm really trying to push that. So instead we call her Zoe. Zoe Ayla is her name. Oh, that's fair. Well, I like the name Zoe too, so that's that's cool. I dig it. Yeah. No, man, but that's exciting. You got a new one on the way. Um, geez, and you're gonna have 
it's going to be what about a year and a half apart from your youngest right now yes year and a half year and a half and then you've got your oldest who's what she's four or five or four yeah she'll be five she'll be five in september i'm getting the nod yes september (laughs) (laughs) is this your last one i think so i mean we both me and my wife always wanted a uh just a whole mess of kids but oh, um, God. each of her pregnant <laughs> well, we both did and it, it me it was because i grew up with just one sibling and i always wanted more and she grew up with four sisters and loved it so it was like oh we both want a lot of kids it'll be great and her, each one of her pregnancies have just been extremely difficult on her oh that's bad and um we were like you know what Three sounds like a good number. Why don't we just stop right there? It is, and they're all not that far apart in ages either, which will make it better too. Yeah, my my first and my second daughter are three years apart, just about two and a half, three years apart. So um, that's kind of about what we wanted to begin with anyway. But uh, year and a half—that's how far apart me and my brother are, and and we really always enjoyed it. So I don't think uh, I don't think they'll have a problem. But yeah, three. I think three is going to be the, the, the end. <laughs> I mean, you are a much stronger man than I am. Cause I, I had to tap out it too. <laughs> I'm like, Oh God. No, I mean, no, I, I love my daughters and yeah, I, I love they're six years apart, but I love when they get, they get along so well. And then there's the next day, they'll just be at each other's throats for whatever reason. <laughs> and it's just, Oh my gosh. It's, Oh God! It's, I mean, it's sibling prerogative, man. They're they're allowed to be each other's best friends and then most hated enemies within a drop of a hat. That's just that's just part of having a sibling. <laughs> yep. And if anyone outside of the siblings start making fun of one or the other, oh, it's on. Oh no, it's over. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Me and my brother never really got along when we were kids. We get along great now. I love him to death. But in high school, we never really got along well. But you said one thing about him that was bad. Oh, you were on the floor. I didn't even think twice. <laughs> <laughs> it was it. You were you were dead. It was yeah, all exactly. over. It's like only I can hate my brother. Exactly. <laughs> no, but that's good. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I'm, I think I'm going to, you know, I, I think I'll love having three, but like I said, and, and we would have loved to have had more kids, but it's just, uh, it's too hard. And, and with one of them, you know, my oldest daughter is special needs. So it's, it adds an extra layer. They're yeah. having a special needs kid just, just makes everything all the more difficult with having more kids after that. So it's, um, it's just not worth it to keep going. I think. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I completely understand that, but no, I, I'm excited for you guys to have that son. And I think um, your wife, I, I think I only ever see pictures of your kids that your wife posts on Instagram. Is it Instagram or? Yeah, she's, yeah, think, she's the big Instagrammer. Yeah, that that's it. I, I see it. She'll post them on Twitter every once in a while. By the way, you guys need to do the animeathon again. I think <laughs> I was, and I know I've told you this before, but it's, you guys never finished the, um. oh crap, what is it? Helsing Ultimate was what Helsing, we were on. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's never finished that. I mean, we, at least finish that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we really have talked about very seriously bringing the show back because we both did really enjoy doing it. Um, yeah, you you two actually have a really good chemistry, you know, just talking and all that. 
We do, and it was funny because Allison actually has been on one of my uh, one of my YouTube videos, and my uh, I'm doing a, a my big series right now is I'm doing a WoW series that's uh, uh where I'm taking a character from level one to level one ten, and um she was on episode three of that because she's yeah. a big time WoW player, and after we got done recording that video, we were like, man, we just we just bounce off each other really well don't we we should really get back into podcasting or something um so i mean it's it's definitely not off the table uh it's difficult while during the pregnancy and everything it's it's a little much to keep everything going and our lives just got so hectic but um once everything calms down a little bit it's something i'd love to revisit because doing that show with her was a lot of fun and uh and we got great feedback on that show, so I'd like to pick it back up and keep it rolling. No, it's like I said, I would love to hear it again. And July 19th, that was your last episode. Yeah, that's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> I was just pulling it up in my iPhone. <laughs> that's really sad. And the funny thing is, we actually, I think we actually recorded, if I'm not mistaken, the last, the like the next episode, which would have been the last. Of, no, we didn't record it. We sat down and watched the last episode of Helsing Ultimate, and then we went to record, and something happened. I can't remember what it was, and we were like, okay, well, we'll just record you know, tomorrow or a couple days from now or something, and we just never did. So it was... It kind of oh, ended sadly and abruptly, and, and I, I would really like to get back into it and try it again sometime. Well, you better, because <laughs> if not for anybody but for me, I'm your you know, number one fan of that. Cause like, like I said, you two just play off each other really well. And I feel like you don't really get that a lot. in you know, husband and wife couples, you know, have right. that good, I guess on screen presence. It's not really on screen, but you know what I mean? I was, I was just lucky enough to have someone who's funnier than I am fall in love with me and decide to marry me for some strange reason. So, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to play off, off of her when she's way funnier than I am. So <laughs> it makes everything a yeah. little bit better. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah, Cause I've been talking to my wife about maybe having her come on this podcast. I mean, she doesn't, re- she knows how to play magic and I mean, oh, geez, it, it will play magic, but she always gets mad when I beat her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's the competitive side. Uh, Allison, yeah. uh, I taught her how to play magic and she actually likes the game. But um, she does not like to play with me because I win. And then she found one deck that she can just kick me in the teeth with every time. And of course, it's Infect. And so then I don't want to play with her because all she'll play is Infect. And it's just a vicious cycle. (laughs) (laughs) I think the last time my wife played... Well, no, no, no. We played some Modern a couple weeks ago. But before that was she brought some of her friends over who are really big into EDH. And at the time I had my sliver EDH deck and my wife played that and oh God, she just completely wrecked us all. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> oh God. What were the, Oh man. It's the one sliver that when it comes in, you have to destroy target artifact or enchantment, something like that. that or destroy target. Permanent. Sliver. Yeah, is it harmonic sliver? Hang on. Yes, Weird. yes, that is harmonic sliver. Yeah, yeah. So I guess one of the one of the players is playing a heavy artifact enchantment deck, and 
she just started she played harmonic sliver and just started bringing out a whole bunch of other slivers and just destroyed that person and ouch yeah <laughs> and i think i was playing on my crucifix deck or no i don't remember what i was playing yeah i think i was playing crucifix or a loro and she just destroyed all my enchantments and artifacts and she wrecked everybody and it was just sort of like one of those oh I fucking hate slivers <laughs> You're certainly not the only one. <laughs> yeah. But no, it that was the last big time we played. Lately we've been playing some modern cuz she wanted to try to get back into it and I've been I I've given her my elf deck. Oh. And and um so and I only have my two modern decks, elves and Grixis Delver. Yeah, Grixis Delver isn't very good against elves, especially no. game 1. That's a that is a tough 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 matchup right there. Oh my god it is because I mean there's really not much I can do when turn two they throw up their hand and there's like six elves on the board and I just have my one little flip delver. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a that's a very hard matchup because I mean Delver kind of just relies on on snagging the tempo early and then keeping it. Yeah. Uh and if you can uh if you can keep that, but if you can keep that tempo, I mean, once you grab tempo with that deck, it's hard to lose. I mean, it's it's a great deck once you grab that tempo. But elves is just so good at hitting the board early that it's uh it's uh yeah that's a, that's a rough matchup. Yeah, I noticed if I, I guess especially games two and three, I can hold my own as long as I get anger of the gods or engineered explosives coming up in my hand, right? And um. But I don't I don't run the ancestral visions because I don't feel like paying fifty bucks a pop for a card. No, no. And honestly, like yeah, I mean ancestral visions has kind of unfortunately become a staple. But there are still versions of that deck that you can run without it, and it'll still be just as good. I yeah, mean, I've been doing I've been doing fine without it for the most part, but there's certain game matchups like elves where I kinda need that card draw right now. I, I need yeah. better card draw. <laughs> I can't, you know, can't exactly dig through my deck as fast as I want to. That's and that's I think that's the biggest problem with Delver and Modern is that you just don't have access to those one mana cantrips um that make the deck just run like a well-oiled machine in in Legacy. Yeah, so, give me Brainstorm, please Brainstorm yeah. or Ponder. Well, you don't even have to give us Brainstorm. If if they're worried about giving us Brainstorm, just give us back Preordain for the love. Well, we'll take Preordain at this point. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I would love to have preordain. Because right now we got like what? Gitaxium probe, which is Gitaxium probe, um, serum visions, and um thought scour. Yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I would love ponder or ponder well, or preordain. Preordain's the scry two, then draw a card. Ponder, look at the top three cards and put them back in any order. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever get Ponder back. Preordain, I could see, because Preordain doesn't feel nearly as good as Ponder yeah. does, or Brainstorm. But I, And I don't think they could ever give us Brainstorm in Modern, unfortunately, because of Fetchlands. Um, it's just too good. It's too good with Fetchlands. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, uh, I, can, no. I mean, I really could see them bringing back Preordain. And it being okay. I mean, yeah, it would immediately just take over 
the blue decks, like every blue deck would run four preordain just immediately. I don't see a problem with that, yeah. But yeah, but there isn't. If for some reason, they've got this kind of vendetta against one mana blue cantrips that I don't really understand. But it's because um, Wizards hates fun. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. And they don't like people having fun, so. Kill all At least the that's fun. how I feel. So I felt that way since they banned Twin. <laughs> oh, dude. And speaking of Twin, you, you, I'm sure you've seen the new Jeskai Twin for Standard. I saw it. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't. I feel, I feel really dumb. I don't see how the combo goes off. Can you explain it to me? Because I've seen both cards, and like I just haven't seen an explanation as to how the combo actually goes off. All right, hold on. Let me find the cards. It's the Felidar Guardian and Sahili. Like, I have Felidar Guardian is the three and a white one four that when it enters the battlefield, you exile another target permanent you control, then return it. Yeah. So basically, what you do is you have Sahili out on turn four. Um, you can plus one her, or you can do nothing with her. Doesn't matter. And then on turn four, you play Felidar Gar- Guardian. And as soon as it comes out on the battlefield, you blink Sahili, so that way you could do her negative two, copying Felidar Guardian, and then you blink Sahili again with the new Felidar Guardian, and just keep, rinse and repeat. Keep doing the negative two where it makes a copy of Felidar Guardian. Okay. That was what I thought, and I wasn't sure if that, that actually does work then. Like, if you blink yeah. a Planeswalker, you can just keep using the same ability over and over and over again. Yep. Okay. Yeah, well, it works. Yeah, and if that's going to become a thing in standard, oh god, count me out. Well, I mean, it does, you can stop it. It's not because it's not instant. Because as soon as Felidar Guardian's out, it's not like you can instantly, you know, do the combo because you can counter it. You can, right. You can kill it. If you can, because it'll come out, it'll blink Sahili. And then in response, you can kill it with Fatal Push or, you know, or, or any um, other murder or anything like that. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wait. So when when you copy with Sahila, does that give it haste then? Yes. That does give it haste. Okay. Yep. So you can just copy and then push for the win. Um pretty much. Okay. Well, yeah, it, it, the I think the thing about this is that it, it is a little bit maybe it's a little bit easier to break up than twin was that's why it's okay but um i think it'll be i'm sure somebody's gonna try it and somebody's gonna get it to go off and and people are gonna play it sure i mean just guy is people are gonna try to break the crap out of this yeah um people will play it but i'm i'm not (sighs) maybe i'm just not convinced that it's gonna be as good or close to as good as twin was well, I think what's going to happen, I mean, this is just what I think is going to happen. The first couple weeks until the Pro Tour or the biggest Star City game event, um, people are a lot of people are going to be playing this deck, and there won't be a lot of answers to it yet because people aren't familiar with it. Right. But, and then probably just like the Pro Tour, there will be some control deck that stops it, and the control will become popular again and, you know, rinse and repeat. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm just not that excited about standard at all, especially with no graveyard hate. I went to F and M this past Friday and every single game was either a free Emrakul or delirium. Yeah, it's, 
And, you know, the sad thing is, really, I don't see a whole lot in the spoilers for this new set that makes me think that there's going to be much of a standard shakeup. Um, yeah, I mean, Fatal Push is going to be definitely played. Fatal That's Push be will played be played. In modern. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll, it'll see play. And uh, I think... Um, what's it? Uh, the the counter spell what is it the disallow disallow i think that that's going to see a lot of play um but i don't see and obviously we have the new you know quote unquote twin but i don't see a lot here that makes me think like you said there's no graveyard hate so there's no there's nothing to stop the decks that are already good from being good um there's nothing that kind of jumps out at me and screams like play me now. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I just don't think we're going to see much of a shakeup. And I was already kind of a little bit disillusioned with standard to the point where I just don't want to play it much anymore. Um, I really do like the deck that I have right now in standard, but I can only play that deck for so long before I'm like, okay, I'm bored now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and you're playing that Colossus deck, right? Yeah, it's a metalwork deck, which is it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I and it does fairly well because I don't really care what my opponent is doing. I'm just gonna do my own thing and uh, try to kill me while I'm doing my own thing. And if you can kill me while I'm doing my own thing, then fine, that's fine. But um, it's it's a fun deck, but it's not like the best deck. I don't think. I just have a lot of fun playing it. Oh yeah, that's how I feel about my Bant Flash. Um, I don't really see anything that I may be adding from Aether Revolt into my Bant Flash deck. Um, I know my sideboard will definitely be shaken up a little bit. I'll be definitely adding some disallows in there. I think you kind of have to. I mean, just yeah. the fact that this has a silence attached to it, or um, stifle is the word I was looking for, not silence. I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone. Um, <laughs> That's what I figured. <laughs> uh, it's got a stifle attached to it, so I mean, it it makes... I will say this. Disallow might shake up the format a little bit because you might see less Emrakul decks. Because, um, unless I'm wrong, this counters Emrakul's trigger, right? Yes. So even, like, it used to be that you could counter Emrakul, but they still get the con I control you um, trigger. Now it's, it. this will counter both the creature and the uh, the trigger, so they won't get to control you. Well, no, from what I understand, it, it sounds like you have to choose one. Oh, it's or. Oh, it is or. Yeah. Oh, that's So lame. you can you can counter the activated ability, or the triggered ability, I mean, so, I mean, that's right. Yeah, it, it'll still come out as a 13 13, but at least they won't take your turn. And if you have something to be able to murder it or exile it, you know, that's that's good. Because the one thing that a lot of people have been saying is this may bring back blue black control to the forefront with disallow and Baral chief of compliance, where it makes your incident sorcery spells co cast one less cost one less. Mm -hmm. Um. And then when you counter something, you get to loot, essentially? Yep. Yeah. Which, that's I, not bad at all. And then plus, with, like I said, with Fatal Push and Bla other Black's other removal, like Murder, and um, there's probably others I can't think of it right now, but... I will say that Black removal right now is, I think, about as good as we're going to see for a long time. You know, we don't you have... Think so? 
I do, because, I mean, we yeah, we don't have, like, a Doom Blade, like, we don't have a two-mana kill-whatever-I-want-to card, but we have enough stuff at just about every point on the curve that it's still good. Like, you, you still feel like you could kill just about anything. Um, I was playing, before I started playing this Metalwork deck, I was playing, like, a, a blue-black um, Metallurgic Summonings deck. I've seen um, that deck. That deck looks fun. <laughs> it was. And and what made it fun was just like the whole deck was metallurgic summonings, uh a couple or four of the blue gear hulk, and then the rest of it was just blue counter spells and black removal spells. And it was like, do I want that to resolve? Can I kill it? Yeah, that can resolve. I'll just kill it now. Or oh, if that resolves, I can't kill it. Well, I guess I'll counter it. So I think you have the makings here for a true blue-black control deck to actually maybe have some room to grow. Because um, it was missing, like, it was just missing one or two pieces. And maybe Disallow uh, is one of those pieces. Uh, yeah. Brawl, I, I could see it. I don't know how great he really is. Um I think it'll just really depend on how many counter spells you really plan on running in that deck. Um, Cause it's going to have to be a fair amount. It will me. Um, I can see him if it's a pure control deck, I can definitely see him being paid just for the fact of your instant sorcery spells are cheaper. Right. Um, the loot effect I just feel is a bonus at that point. It is. And but we've all seen the power of just kind of a bonus loot. I mean, uh, I think Baby Jace kind of taught us the power of a bonus loot. Mer- Merfolk looter back in the day, you know, the original yeah. looter. Um, that was a super powerful magic card, and still remains a pretty powerful cube card. Um, oh yeah, Rummaging Goblin was a really good card in draft. Yeah. So I mean, these kind of bonus looters are never bad. Um, so I could, I could see that he could see some play. I wonder the thing, I guess the thing that I wonder is how well is a blue black control deck going to be able to keep up because the top tier decks right now are so consistent and just so strong at every point on their curve. Like at what point? can the blue-black control deck switch gears? You know? Because every every true control deck kind of has to have this point where they switch gears and take they've gained control of the game and then they push that advantage to win the game. Yeah. So how is how are they going to do that, I think is going to be the real question. Because that, that was my problem with the Metallurgic Summonings deck was it was a good deck, and I could, you know, counter or kill basically anything that I wanted, but I had to literally have the perfect answer every turn, or else I fell behind and was just dead. And you had to rely on an enchantment, and if that enchantment goes bye-bye, you're done. Like, if, right. they do a, if they do a lost legacy against your deck, you're basically, you can't do anything. Yeah, I, at that point, I have to win with uh, Torrential Gear Hulks, and that's it. So... Yeah. You know, I at that point I just better pray that they don't have enough removal for my four torrential gear hulks. Um, yeah. So 
it'll it'll be interesting. I'd like to see I'd like to see it happen because blue black control is is really fun to me. Um, but these top these top decks like are just so darn consistent and so darn they are. It's just they never miss. Like I'm playing against. It doesn't matter if it's blue white flash or delirium or uh, the Marvel decks, whatever. I just feel like they never ever miss. I never get a chance to get back in the game against those decks. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I've actually, you know, you're going to be the first one to see this if I can do it here. Um, I've actually got the next deck that's going to take over standard. Oh, and um, it's probably probably the best deck right now. Um, You've heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's going to take over standard. It's going to be everybody in the pro tour is going to play it. Um, shit. How do you spell that card name? Oh, Eridara. All right. Uh oh. Uh oh. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Come on. Hold on. I'm just. I just want to show you. All right. So b- before before I paste this to you in the chat room. All right. So basically, have you ever seen the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Yes. It's basically this with just trains. Oh god. <laughs> And I, like, like I said, it's going to be the best deck in standard. It can't lose. It's 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 amazing. <laughs> I don't have a sideboard yet because you know I've only goldfish with this deck a couple times. Right. And goldfishing the deck, it's fucking unbeatable. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to take a look at it. And All right. It's, like it I said, it's amazing. Oh sweet lord. <laughs> oh man i know it's amazing all right i dig it i mean i'm not gonna lie i dig it (laughs) see okay well let me just tell everybody what's in the deck all right so i don't know you you want to give this away right now before the pro tour you're gonna give away your pro tour strat no, I'm I'm not in this pro tour this time but so you know i'll I'll be (laughs) not that's fair that's fair all right so it's a trains deck and so when i first the the card that really gave me the inspiration for this was aerial modification where it's four and a white enchant creature vehicle as long as enchanted permanent is a vehicle it's a creature in addition to its other types enchanted creature gets plus two plus two and has flying so my first thought was i want to see a flying train you know because how what better vision than seeing a flying train coming at you because you got to remember when you're playing a game of magic it's you and another planeswalker casting these spells and you know how confused would that other planeswalker be when you see a flying train coming at you i would be horrified absolutely terrified if, if i saw a giant flying train coming at me all right so just picture this you've got how many trains do i actually have i've got 10 trains i got two eridar express which is the five colorless it's eight and a six has menace it's crew four i've got four renegade freighter which is the three uh four three when it attacks it gets plus one plus one against trample crew two untethered express the dinosaur train which is a four four it has trample and when it attacks you put a one one counter on it crew one and I guess the piece de la resistance for the artifact vehicles is the Peace Walker Colossus, 
which costs three. It's a six, six, and you can spend one in a white and another target vehicle you control becomes an artifact creature until end a turn. So you don't even need to crew it in right. order to get the trains active. But I did come up, but I was trying to think of some other creatures that could be as backup to for crewing. Because I, you don't want to rely just on the Peace Walker Colossus. And what better than Lupine Prototype? I actually had to click on that because I was like, I have no idea what this card is. And it's perfect for this deck. When it you think is. About it. I'm shocked. I really <laughs> am shocked. It's it's a two two costing artifact creature that's a five five. But the downside is Lupine Prototype can't attack or block unless a player has no cards in hand. But with this deck, you don't care about attacking or blocking with that creature. You just want him to get on a train and just start choo chewing around. Exactly. And He's just he is just the conductor for your Dino Train. Exactly, and he can crew all your trains too, oh. which is the best part about it. And he then he can even crew the Peace Walker Colossus. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so I figured, and I I wanted to get another creature in there. I was thinking at first Thraben Inspector because you know just for the the clue, which I which still might be better than. Uh, the four toolcraft exemplar. I just like toolcraft exemplar because it'll be super easy for you to get three artifacts out there and just to get that three, two first strike, you know, at least you could do that in the early game. And so let's just say all your lupine prototypes are gone. You know, somebody deck and stones, your lupine prototypes or, you know, does something really bad like fatal push. Well, now you've got four Gideon ally of Zendikar. You know, even Gideon can go and ride a train if he wanted to. Yeah. And it, these days I feel like you can just win a game of magic by playing four Gideon and, and the rest of your deck can just be lands pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. So what you could do is you could, with Gideon, you get him out on turn one. You know, you can do a plus one and crew one of the trains, or you could do a zero and get a, another little mini conductor to ride some of the other smaller trains, um, like Untethered or Renegade Fighter. And then next turn, you could plus one Gideon, either attack with him or ride a train. You know, because how. I mean, when you think about it, who doesn't want to see Gideon driving a train at your face? I would, I would love to see that actually. That well, not at my face, but at my opponent's face, please. Yes, and then we've got eight enchantments, aerial modification, four of which, yeah, that completely throws off the curve because it's a five costing enchantment. But you know what? Who cares? <laughs> um, this, this is Pro Tour material. No one's going to expect it. Absolutely then, not. And then four Griff's Boon, which as soon as you crew one of your trains, you can cast Griff, Griff's Boon and it'll always have flying next time it's um crewed. Oh gosh, this is glorious. And then two deck and stone and 24 planes. You know, I'm really tempted to actually build this deck and play it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the more you've talked about it, I know you were joking, but dude, seriously, like this could actually be kind of cool. <laughs> It, it would be funny. It would throw off a lot of people like what you see a turn one toolcraft exemplar like, OK, he's probably doing, you know, red, white vehicles or whatever. Turn two lupine prototype. What the fuck is this? Motherfucker yeah, exactly. What the hell is that card? And then a uh, turn three renegade fighter untethered or peace walker colossus like, wait, what? Oh, oh <laughs> now I get it. And I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, it was just as soon as I saw the aerial modification, I'm like, I want flying trains, which that <laughs> brings me to my next point is I the one thing I'm super excited about Aether Revolt is drafting it. 
yeah, this seems like it's going to be a really cool draft environment. I mean, I know like a lot of people were not very high on um, the Kaladesh draft format. I actually did kind of enjoy it. Um, so, but but this this set looks like an even better drafting set to me. Yeah, I agree with that. It's um, yeah, I, I think I told you before. I'm I'm I wasn't that big on drafting Kaladesh. I mean, it was good, but I had more fun drafting Shadows and Eldritch Moon. Right. Than Kaladesh, but this one sort of, I think, pushes it to the top and, or at least pushes it more than Kaladesh and seems like it's going to be even crazier. Oh, it'll certainly be crazier. I mean, it, it's, it's got a lot that it's adding that I think will make it a lot crazier, but, um, and it, uh, I, I think it'll make the whole draft experience a whole lot better. Um, I hope so, man. I, I really do. I really do think so. Just, I mean, I, and I did have fun with Kaladesh. It was once you figured out the format, um, it was it was probably one of the quickest least. I mean, the, one of the quickest solved formats that I think I ever came in contact with. Kaladesh was. Um, so I'm hoping that this makes it a little bit, uh, shakes it up a little bit, and I really do think that it will. There's a lot of stuff in here. Like there's just a lot of really cool tools in here for Yeah, man. It's um like I said, it's the one of the things I always did in Kaladesh draft was draft the trains anyway. And now with the inclusion of the dino train and plus mm-hmm. that that consulate dreadnought, the seven eleven, you know, one drop ship. Yep. I mean, I know I know it's really bad because it's crew six, but you know, I mean, shit, you, you get some trains live and then you tap the trains to crew the consulate dreadnought. Boom. A train on top of a ship. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, I mean, it, <laughs> the imagery there is astounding. <laughs> I know. It's it, when sets like Kaladesh really made me wish there was a way you could visualize what's happening in magic. Cause you know how like the Yu Gi Oh cartoon. You know, they whenever they do their spells, it'll show what's going on. Right. Um, you know, I, I sort of, especially with all the crewing of the vehicles, I wish we could do the same in Magic. Like, there is a way to have a little video of, you know, Gideon crewing a smuggler's copter that's crewing a, a train that the train is crewing the consulate dreadnought. <laughs> <laughs> you know. If only. <laughs> oh, I wish. Someone needs to make that video, by the way. Oh, I'm sure somebody will will animate something like that eventually. Just if I was any good at animating at all, I would have made it already. <laughs> yeah, if I knew how to draw, I would definitely do it. Yeah, for sure. No, man, but like like I said, I'm super excited about the limited. I think I'm going to be drafting a lot more. Uh, at least try to draft it at least once a month. You know, physical draft. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm excited about that. I'm just, as we talked about before, I'm not that excited about standard. Um, no, I'm just, I feel really disillusioned with it. Um, and it's just, you're not the only th- one. Yeah. And I've, I've been hearing that a lot around the community and it's just, this has been the first time in a while and a long time that I've just not had any fun with standard. And I've been, I've been playing it consistently since M15 before M15. I would, you know, dabble in it on and off. And, mm-hmm. um, 
but but even like Innistrad Ravnica or Ravnica Theros yeah I mean Ravnica Theros had the problems with mono black and blue white and all that and gruel too and I just I, I don't I don't know e- even then I didn't have problems with you know mono black freaking pack rat dominating it it was at least it felt there was a way to stop it though with with yeah. free Emrakul going around it's like well what can you do as soon as Emrakul's out it's like oh just take my turn and you know oh get another Emrakul why not standard uh, it's an odd beast it really is because yeah we kind of go through these periods where we'll have a few months of really good standard where everything is kind of where there's a bunch of different decks, but we got to remember that standard. I don't think standard was ever created to be a vastly variety filled format, you know, cause we're only pulling off so many cards when we're it's doing like standard 800 plus cards or something like that. Or yeah, I mean, it's still, I mean, it's still a fair amount of cards, but when you yeah. compare that to something like modern or legacy, you know, it's it's a drop in the bucket. Um, and in those formats, the eternal or semi-eternal formats, you have decks that are obviously tier one and obviously tier two and tier three, et cetera, et cetera. But you have a lot more choice just based on the fact that you have a lot more cards to choose from. Um, in a format like Standard, especially if you're playing it competitively, um, there's less cards, which means there's less tier one decks, and if you're playing it competitively, then you're going to play a tier one deck for the most part. Um, yeah. And those tier one decks get really well honed and well defined very, very quickly uh, simply because there's just not a whole lot of variation that can be done with such a limited pool of cards. Um, so we're kind of, you know, if, if, we, if they print a set that has a good variety in it, then we're going to have a better standard format. If they print a set that has some very obviously powerful strategies that are obviously just very good um, and not a whole lot else, then we're going to have kind of a stale format where we'll have one, two, three top decks. And that's just going to be the end of that. So it's, it's, it's an odd beast. And it's sad, I think, because standard was the most popular. I'm not sure it is anymore because I think people are kind of figuring it out that standards a great launching point, but if you want that, that thrill of the variety of seeing a bunch of different decks with a bunch of different strategies, you really got to go to the eternal or or semi eternal format. And modern, uh, I think is going to, If it hasn't yet, I really do think that Modern is going to replace Standard as the most popular format. And then, what does Wizards do? Because all the money, the majority of the money they make is from Standard sets. Um, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to stop pushing Standard like they do. I think. I think that they will continue to push Standard. Well, well, no, I understand that. It's just if it's becoming less popular. You know what? What can they do as a company? I mean, start making reprints of popular cards. Um, you know, because they need to think about from that way, especially for new players too. If new players are just seeing, they go to a store and people are just playing Modern and Legacy. You know, that's completely priced out for them. Yeah, I especially think the, in the beginning. I think that it's going to have to take. It's going to have to be a mindset change in the way that they develop sets. Um, 
they really have to develop sets with this this notion in mind. Not to say that they don't, because I mean, I'm not in R and D. I have no idea what they think about or talk yeah. about. But when they put out a set like they have recently, that's just very focused, very obviously synergistic with X, Y, and Z, and that's going to make a really good tier one deck. Like, I mean, the the tier one decks that are out right now are obvious decks, just because all of the pieces are right there, just kind of yelling at you. You know, so yeah. it's like you kind of almost have to design a de- a set with a little bit more complication to your best cards to get the kind of variety that we want. And, yeah, and that's um, been a um, complaint I've seen a lot where. You know, they they print these sets, like you said, where it's obvious for what they want standard to be yes. in terms of, you know, Aetherworks Marvel, Delirium, uh, Blue White Flash. And it's. And that's always been one of the complaints about the mythic rarity, where it's just basically a card that says, hey, buy me and build around me. Yep. Yep. For the most part. I mean, there I, I think that you'd be very hard pressed to find a tier one deck in any standard season that didn't have a couple of different mythics in it. Um, I'm sure that one exists somewhere, but I think you're going to be very hard to press to find it. Um, And that's just the way that it is. Cause I mean, mythics are obviously the most powerful card and uh, a good starting place to start building um, just by the fact that they're mythic. And, uh, you know, you don't have that problem in, in formats like Modern or Legacy because you can have a really powerful Mythic that gets trumped by a super powerful common or uncommon that is just a better linchpin piece in a deck. You know, rarity doesn't have so much to do with it. Um, in Standard, yeah. it does, just because we don't have as many cards to go on. Yeah, and that's where it becomes a bit of a annoyance to why they won't print really good answers like fatal push i'm surprised they printed something like fatal push because one that's a really good removal card for black you know to me i've just from all the talk i've seen and from what i've been reading it seems like that's going to become black's lightning bolt or path to exile i mean it really could be i mean it's uh especially for modern that's going to take over modern Oh, yeah. No, I mean, in the Eternal formats, Fatal Push is going to be way more played, I think, than even in Standard. Yeah. Um, but it's that comes to the question of, if they can print something like Fatal Push, why can't they reprint Lightning Bolt? Or even Lightning Strike? You know, it's a, or, it's a, and it's what's a legitimate wrong? question. It is. And why not have one-mana dorks anymore? Because they've they've said that they don't want to print one-mana dorks anymore. They, do, they don't want to have Elvish Mystic in Standard anymore, which I feel is kind of dumb. Yep. And because they say it warps formats. And I'm like, not really, because last time Elvish Mystic was in there, yeah, it was... I mean, I, I, don't, I can't even remember if Elvish Mystic was even really popular in Abzan. I remember Abzan playing Sylvan Karyatid more than Elvish Mystic. Yeah, no, they they really didn't play Elvish Mystic, I don't think. I, I think the only deck that really played Elvish Mystic... I, gosh. I did, know I played it in Ramp. But did Ramp, I mean, yeah, that, did Ramp play it a lot? or did? Um, and Four Color Rally did not play it, right? They played Visionary. They played Elvish Visionary. Yeah, yeah, they had, they had Visionary. And... Um, 
Um, let me take a look at some of my old decks here. But I, I don't remember it being played a lot in Abzan. I remember Sylvan Karyatid was more, at least from what I saw, was more prominent. Um, and I did play Elvish Mystic and Ramp when Battle for Zendikar came out. Mm-hmm. And, but like I said, I think it's just frustrating to me as a longtime player when you, when you know you're not going to see these kind of answers be printed anymore. Right. You know, you're you're not we're not gonna ever see a lightning bolt ever again. And did it really warp formats to where they were made unplayable? No, I don't think so. At least I, I don't, don't think fe- so either. No. And I feel like something like Path to Exile, that didn't really warp formats to where, oh, I can't play this, you know. No, I mean you're you're just you're obviously going to have very good cards sometimes, and then you're obviously going to have very bad cards sometimes. That's just the way that this works. Um Honestly, I almost wonder if the printing of Fatal Push was a mistake. Um, because it feels like they designed it to be very fair, and then they forgot that fetch lands are a thing. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, they can just sack a fetch land to get revolt. Because I'm not mistaken, right? Like, a, sacking a fetch land is going to trigger revolt. Yep. It will. So, I wonder if they just like forgot that in the eternal formats they have fetch lands, or I I I don't think fatal push will be as good in standard as it will be in um in the eternal formats, but it's going to be all over the place in eternal for sure. Yeah. No, I mean I can see obviously control decks playing in standard with with fatal pushing you know to try to stop the early aggression of you know say red white vehicles or something but i mean it's only going to be you only have four of those and something like red white vehicles has a crap ton of cheap cards or even red green energy as well to try to slow that down Mm -hmm. but um i don't know it's like i said as and you've been a long time magic player too and it's frustrating not to see those kind of answer cards be printed it, it, I feel like it's more frustrating to have those kind of answer cards be such a staple of magic for so long, and then all of a sudden, these things are just too good, we can't have them anymore. And they never felt, I mean, they yes, they always felt good, but none of them ever felt overpowered. You know, like, like Doomblade or Go for the Throat was always very good, and you would always play it if you played a black deck. But it was never so OP that it needed to never happen again. And yeah. Light, Lightning Bolt was, you know, had been around in Magic forever, it seemed like, and was always going to be a part of Magic. And then they just decided that one mana three damage was was too good. And um, I don't really get that one either, but... Then again, and now they've I'm, decided lightning strike is too good. Yeah, that I don't understand at all. That's two mana for three damage. I mean, we we get one mana deal two damage to a creature or player with shock. I mean, they're reprinting shock. Yeah. Why is why is shock okay and lightning strike is too good? I don't. Well, we know. have incendiary flow, which is the sorcery speed lightning strike. That's good, right? It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. Not good no, but it's I don't know, man. I mean, we can sit back and talk 
back and forth, but I think we've said this before that I would love to be a fly on the wall when R and D has their meetings and just be like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. And, and I think that they, you know, they can't be as open with us as we would like them to be. Obviously we would like, you know, a 30 page explanation for every decision that they make, or at least that's the way it seems sometimes. Yeah. The the magic community wants an in-depth intelligence briefing every time that they make some kind of a decision with magic. But it would be interesting to find out why they made some of the decisions that they made when it comes to what they will print going forward and what is considered to be too powerful. Um, and what is, and why are some things considered to be not too powerful when they are clearly too powerful? You know? Yeah. I want to know, who thought Aetherworks Marvel was going to be a good idea? I wonder if they just thought like, oh, it's just going to be too hard for them to get that much energy that quickly, but yeah, then they right. forgot about the other <laughs> cards that they printed that lets them get energy for free? It's just, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that I don't get. I mean, people complain about Collected Company being too strong. It's like Collected Company has nothing on Aetherworks Marvel. No, Collected Company could never hit Emrakul. <laughs> no. Aetherworks Marvel hits Emrakul. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, I don't know. I don't know. And while I like energy in a limited format, standard, not so much. It was an not experiment. So- I mean, I got, I got to give them props that this was, this was an experiment. I mean, it was, let's see if we can push the boundaries a little bit on what we can and can't do with mana. Um, and, and that I, makes sense. It's yeah. the thing that's frustrating is there's no way to, you know, get rid of someone's energy. Right. Right. And, and I wonder if that would help. I don't, I don't even know if that would really help. Like it could, it could, I mean, even if it was just one card, like a artifact card that, you know, set costs five mana. And as soon as it enters the battlefield, you drain, you know, target opponent's energy and it becomes yours or something or or no, or it doesn't become yours. No, I think it would have to be something that just eliminates like almost like a relic of progenitus, but for energy, you know, like tap and sacrifice this target opponent is drained of all energy or something like that you know it's i don't think that you could have something that siphoned energy just because then it yeah, would just be a little bit too crazy <laughs> yeah then we're, we're then we're talking kind of mana drain territories and that's a problem yeah <laughs> so. that's true no but i mean uh i don't know man it's it's frustrating it's it's like i want standard to be awesome i want to have fun playing it and it's like this past friday i did not have fun at all i'm just it's just like okay free emrakul really cheap emrakul or it's just decks i can do nothing about right you know right. and it's sort of like you're banging your head against the wall and you can't do anything about it and that's what i like that's what i like more about legacy or modern is you know, I guess I guess legacy more because even with legacy, your deck still stands a chance because like when I play elves and legacy, you know, I could be up against a tier one miracles deck and, you know, I could still win turn two if I if I'm lucky enough. Mm-hmm. 
you know, with modern, it's more of that rock, paper, scissors. It's, it's a lot more like that. It really, depending on your matchup, but you still have that chance of winning though. And it, and you never know what you're going to play at a modern tournament. Right. Right. I think I, and I think that that's the draw. Like it used to be that standard was kind of that way. And modern and legacy were more of the, you know, Oh, well there's, you know, it's solved. Modern and legacy are solved there. You know, we don't need to, <clears throat> there's no innovation that needs to happen because these are just the best decks. Um, and it's almost like that the two have kind of swapped places. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's interesting. I'd like to know at what point, when did that switch happen? Cause now all of the innovation is happening in the eternal and semi eternal formats instead of in standard and standard has become this. Okay. Let's look at the spoiler. Yeah. That's going to be good. That's going to be good. I can build a deck out of that. Um, and I've got my 75 ready to go before I even get my cards. And it never, even a couple years ago, it didn't feel like that. Like when cons came out, it didn't feel like that. Um, no, there, were, there was a lot of speculation when cons came out, like of, of you know, what's going to be good? Um, is this actually going to be playable? And some of it was and some of it wasn't. And it, it doesn't feel that way anymore. Yeah, I mean, I know I know you and I have talked in the past like we really wanted Teamer and Jeskai to become good at first when it came out, but it eventually turned to Abzan. But even then, I still felt like we had no idea what the format was going to be like. And that does happen a lot when a new when a new set comes in and an old set rotates out. Um, but even when Kaladesh was coming in, you knew Delirium was going to be still a something to be you know fearful of you knew that some sort of spirit flash deck was going to be something to be fearful of because i do remember spirits the the blue white flash deck was something near the end of eldritch moon but it wasn't as quite as popular because bant company was still dominating it but when right. bant company came out blue white flash just sort of overtook it right and and I think that that's, I think maybe that's the most interesting part to me. And maybe that's where the switch happened. I don't know. Um, I, I would really like to, I think if we went back, we could really kind of dig in and really kind of find where that switch happened. Because it, it had to have been within the past couple of years, right? Yeah. Like it hasn't, everything's been kind of uh, leading up to this point. And I'd be interested to find out when it actually happened. Yeah, so would I. I'm just looking at MTG Top 8 real quick. Um, I don't know. Let's go back to May 2015. Abzan is number one. <laughs> I, I think that that's going to be a trend. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, yeah, and then Atarka Red. Oh, Atarka Red. I miss that deck. Oh, wait, no. Was it Atarka Red? It was, yeah, yeah, basically Atarka Red. Uh, this was still when Theros was here. Esper Control. Oh, God. Ojitai. Fucking Dragon yeah, Lord Esper Dragons. Esper Dragons. Oh, God. <laughs> I played the crap out of that deck. <laughs> you know, it's... I mean, what I find a little bit sad is... Because I can remember Ojitai being like oh, almost 40 bucks. 
and now oh, it's yeah. like a lowly four dollars it's just sort of like how the mighty have fallen <laughs> type thing. it happens i mean it, it's it's funny like standard will pump some cards up and then as soon as they rotate it's like oh well that's unplayable now it's why yeah. <laughs> i know it's still really really good it is but i mean the fact of the matter is that five mana is a lot to pay you better be you better be winning the game for five mana in the eternal and semi-eternal formats. So it's just uh Ojitai is five, right? Or is he four? No, Ojitai is five. Yeah. So five five mana is just a little bit too much to pay. Um Yeah. I it mean is. I, I remember back in the day when uh Consecrated Sphinx was like that oh, was the Jesus. top end that everybody played. You know, everybody ran at least one cons- Consecrated Sphinx. And that card was so good. And then it rotated. And it still sees play in EDH. And that's about it because six mana is just too much to pay. It's, yep, it's fine. And I love it so much in EDH. Oh, yay. Yep. No, I, love, not at all. I love my Constipated Minx. Yeah, I don't have a copy of it, actually. It's just... It, I could definitely use it in some decks, but I'm just like, eh. I'm not going to can't, play can't that bring, much. Can't bring yourself to do it. <laughs> no, it's... Dude, I just finished two EDH decks right now. Uh, Cranko and Omnath Locus of Rage. Yeah. And, and then I've got my Mill EDH deck I want to build. And... I think after that I'm going to be done for a while because that will give me how many EDH decks? Damn it, this fucking pop filter. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of noise. Oh, this pop filter is being a pain in the ass. Oh, that will give me 10 EDH decks altogether. Yes, sir. That's, that's about the right number for any EDH player, I think. Yeah, but I haven't played EDH in like months, though. I have more no, fun. No. Built. That's that's exactly that is the fun part of EDH. You don't play EDH. You just build EDH decks all day long. Pretty much. <laughs> that's what makes EDH <laughs> fun. No, I think after that I'm going to be done for a little while until something pops up. I wanted to do a um Atraxa EDH deck, a Super mm. Friends, but I'm just like, "Oh god, that's too expensive, man." Yeah. It's- and it's like there's really no win con except oh I have twenty planeswalkers out and I'm just gonna plus them all every single turn <laughs> and not yep. really do anything. That's about right, actually. I, I mean, I've got a, a guy at our local store who's just I mean, that's his calling card is that anytime that there's a Super Friends deck, he plays it. So he plays a Super Friends EDH deck, and I was like, "How do you win?" And he's like, "I don't ever win with my planeswalkers." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, I put a bunch of infinite combos in this deck. <laughs> the, plane, the planeswalkers are just there to distract you all while I fire off infinite combos. I'm like, you're a dick. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I'm looking up this, um, some of the old decks. Back in November 2013, you know, this just goes to show how different Standard was back then. The tier one decks back then were three monocolored decks. Uh, yeah. Mono black with the pack rat. Uh, red deck wins. Uh, and, and then the mono blue, blue, right? blue, you know, blue devotion. Yep. Yeah. With freaking master of waves. God. I do uh, not miss that card. 
I it's like I remember the, the first time I saw that I'm like you know see see it played against me I'm like oh that doesn't seem too bad and then I read it I'm like oh it's, oh that's what that does <laughs> oh and then of course I happen to be playing a blue deck too and I'm just oh wait no that doesn't give an island walk I'm thinking a merfolk no no no, no. that's yeah, uh yeah. yeah um but yeah that that was not a fun deck you play, that was I, not- I'd rather. Well, no, I was just going to say I'd rather play against Mono Black than Blue Devotion. Yeah, that was... I mean, I'll just chalk it up to say that that was not a fun time in Standard, period. I mean... No, but, I, but I did have more fun than I am right now, at least. it's And may, yeah. maybe it's because I'm getting a little too jaded now. Because, you know, I guess... I don't know, maybe because I'm expecting too much. But I don't know, man. No, I think everybody just kind of has this wave. I mean, for for me, it came in Theros. I mean, that was when I literally just stopped playing Standard. Um, yeah. And then I came back to Standard when uh, when Cons was printed. Uh, and then I actually really enjoyed Standard during that time and had a great time. Uh, and now during this Standard season, like, I'm not having a great time, but I'm still, you know, I'm still liking the deck that I'm playing, and that's about all I can say about that. But, you know, I think everybody kind of hits that point where they're like, you know, this standard season is just not fun enough that I'm willing to put put down standard until I see something new. Um, everybody kind of hits that wall. And uh, I don't think that it was necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing to hit that wall from time to time, because that means when you come back to it, you come back to it for something that's truly exciting. Yeah. Um, and that's always, that's, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And maybe that's just what I need to do. I need to take a break from it. And I think I've mentioned this to you before that I don't, I probably not going to be very competitive and standard. I think maybe mainly just F and M level and any PPTQs or IQs I go to, I'm just going to choose the modern or legacy ones. I mean, honestly, that's that's probably the best thing to do, man. I mean, anytime that I get sick of a format to the point where I just don't want to play it anymore, that is the giant foghorn that I need to stop playing that format, try a different format, and then come back to it later when I've kind of cleansed my palate of that format. Um, it happens, you know, it happens to me all the time with one or two formats that I just have to put down and come back to it after I've had a palate cleanse. Yeah. And I think I'm going to definitely do that. I think maybe, maybe I'll stick with limited for a little bit, at least cause my F and M's near me, uh, they're all standard or draft there's, yeah. and, and it's hard for me to go to a card shop during the week, you know, because I'm usually in bed by, um, you know, 10 o'clock or at least. Right. You know, because we're adults. <laughs> we do adult yeah. things during the week. Yeah, but, man. But yeah, it's it's hard. And I mean, you kind of got to find that balance. But, you know, the, the great thing about magic, and this is something that I know you and I have talked about before, is that there are so many great ways to play magic that if you get sick with one format, you can always find a way to play magic a different way. Um, and that will cleanse your palate for going back to that format eventually. Or you may never go back to that format, and that's fine. Like, I have a buddy who is a really deep, 
really aggressively competitive standard player when he first learned how to play magic because that was just his jam. He loved it. Um, and then I can't remember at one point he was like, you know, I'm just not having a great time with standard. I'm like, well, have you tried EDH? And he was like, no, I've heard about it, but I haven't tried it. And he built his first EDH deck and now he has like 20 EDH decks and that's just what he plays. Never went back to standard, just plays EDH and that's just what he does. And that's not a bad thing. So, you know, Magic is a versatile enough game that you can find something you love to do with it, and that's fine. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to end tonight. Where, And that's what makes me love Magic so much, is there's so many ways to play it, and... You know, you, that's what's great about we have the option to be able to play what we want, um, you know, because I've been trying to get into Pokemon a little bit and Pokemon. There's really only one way to play it. I mean, there's standard modern legacy, their versions of it. But um, I mean, there's really no limited in in Pokemon. I mean, I did I did read some rules where you can draft Pokemon, but it's not popular at all. No, and, and I don't think that it will be because it's just not designed for that. <laughs> I mean, I would love to draft Pokemon because that sounds fun as hell, but it's just, I don't know, when you look at the boosters and all that, there's really only, it doesn't seem like it's not designed for limited at all, but no, and um, no, and I guess to end with, it's that's what makes Magic my favorite card game is just there's so many ways to play it and heck and it's pretty easy to come up with your own little format too for you and your friends right absolutely like boost cube and stuff like that you know what's, just like what's that the boost cube oh i'm gonna have to send you a link for that sometime um this guy created his own set of cards it follows magic rules and you'll see cards that are like named after magic cards but with an alcohol twist on it <laughs> and um oh, it's basically a magic drinking game and it is that sounds funny it's the best thing we played it uh it's been it came out a long time ago uh and the guy just kind of put the set out and it was like anybody that wants to print this off you know print it off i'm not trying to make any money off of it and um so i printed it out and i took it out for my bachelor party actually <laughs> um so this was like five years ago and we just sat in a cabin in the woods and played booze cube and we were all just trashed. But by the end of it, the whole booze cube was destroyed because we had spilled too much drinks all over it. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a link if I could ever find it again. But there's an example. Like a guy just took the rules of magic. He's like, I want to turn magic into a drinking game uh, where we draft cards that have to do with drinking all the time. And it, it it's just great. Magic is an amazing game. <laughs> Shit, you could do that. I mean, just without creating your oh, own yeah. cards. No, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. You have oh, here's a great little one. You have five different alcohols. Um oh, or, yeah. And and like every and depending on what kind of your deck is, you got to take shots of I don't know, of of that specific kind of alcohol. I don't know, just God. something dumb like that. <laughs> what if what if you had to take a shot like that was your version of like to tap that color of mana, you had to take that color of shot. Oh god. <laughs> Be fucking wasted by turn three. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. You better not be playing ramp. You're done. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, what you would wanna... energy? What would energy be? 
Oh, I like, don't know. Oh, as soon as you question. gain energy, you gotta. I don't know. It's a Red Bull. That's what it is. Oh, <laughs> dude, I can just. I can feel the hangover already. <laughs> well, that's the point, isn't it? <laughs> oh God, I'm not much of a drinker anymore. It's um, it's been actually. When was the last time I even had a drink? A year ago or something? I um, I, I I still like my beers, but I'm becoming more of a, a craft beer type guy where I'm drinking for flavor and not to die. So yeah. it's uh I haven't I haven't gone out with the purpose of getting smashed in a very long time. Yeah, it's just I've never been that much of a drinker to begin with. So yeah, I'm either. I'm a pretty pretty lightweight. And, um, and, you know, I've never enjoyed beer. I've tried many different beers. I haven't really dived into the craft beer mm-hmm. scene, but, you know, I've done a lot of the popular light beers, dark beers and all that and just never enjoyed them. But I love rum. Just give me any kind of oh, rum. OK. You know, anywhere from sweet rum to spice rum. And oh, I love it. Yeah. Everybody's got their own taste. I mean, I'm I'm definitely a beer guy, but. You know, I, I'm not going to disrespect anybody's alcohol choice. I'm I'm a beer and whiskey guy. That's my those are my jams. Yeah, definitely, man. All right, so let's wrap this up here. Um, go ahead and give some shout outs. Plug your shit again. Let's do this. <laughs> plug that shit. Get that. I will. I will plug this shit. Um, Fucking pop filter. God. <laughs> well, first of all, I'd love to, I'd love to plug Zuby to get a new pop filter. <laughs> but uh my my mic stand that i'm gonna get i can just put the pop filter right on the mic stand yeah that's gonna actually attach this to my desk anymore it's gonna make it infinitely better (laughs) oh yeah but uh you can uh you can check me out on twitter that's where i do most of my updates for anything that i'm doing i'm at alec the dirtle on twitter uh and alec the dirtle is my youtube channel you can look that up i'm currently doing my wow to one one to one ten series uh my top fives and my new video series, which is going to be launching this week, uh, is a Dark Souls series. Um, and I've I haven't played Dark Souls since the first Dark Souls game, and it was the challenge was for me to play Dark Souls three with no guides, no walkthroughs, no nothing, just play it. So it's uh it's already been hilarious, uh, and I, I think that'll be a fun series for anybody that wants to jump in on my YouTube stuff. Um, I'd like to. Just real quick plug the uh, community that I'm a part of, Team Ponage. Um, we're a casual gaming community of uh, just like-minded people that love to play games and uh, are always looking for opportunities to grow the T-Pone family. So if you want to check that out, uh, check it out on Twitter, at Team Ponage. They're all great people with great content production. Um, we have some of the best streamers that I've ever seen on that team. They're they're really great and uh, a great lady scene, too. and um it's just a lot of fun it's a lot of fun to be a part of that community and they're more like a family than a team so uh if you're interested give that a check out and check out that content and i think that's just about all i had to plug all right that's awesome man well i just want to say thank you for coming on it's always a pleasure to have you on here and i need to i need to get you on here more often it's i'm trying to try to get more interviews and more not just interviews but have other people on too to try to spice things up because for gosh a couple weeks there i was just doing by myself and yeah that feels like you go crazy after a while that's rough podcasting by yourself is no fun (laughs) i mean like I, i can do it just fine i mean i don't have any problems just talking and coming up with content and all that it's just 
after a little after a couple weeks there you're just like i need to talk to someone you know <laughs> i don't blame you man i mean and anytime anytime that our schedules line up and you and you want me on here i like i said i can i can talk forever so uh you you just hit me up anytime you need somebody to bounce ideas off of all right awesome man thank you again absolutely bro